there are some people that just go yeah i've tried a few things or i don't like i don't like where some of this is going therefore i'm out like that would be the mistake is the first step is to embrace once you've experimented to a point you've got something that can work get it embedded into your processes so that it's continuously used without you one of the risks of using cool technology is that you become even more of a bottleneck in your business. Welcome to the Ultimate Marketing Podcast with D Vish and me, Sarah. Yay! We're we've got a very she always guest. sounds so professional, doesn't she? Oh, when yeah. she does the intro, she's like, I feel like I have to behave. It's like a BBC public yeah. service announcement. And now, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, I love it. Sit yeah. carefully and listen. <laughs> we've yes. got a very special guest today. I'm very excited. I'm I know this are as well. We've got Alexis Kingsbury with us. So I'll just explain who Alexis is and then we'll give him a big round of applause for being here. So Alexis is an award-winning entrepreneur. He's got two software businesses and a consulting practice. And he served over 600 organizations around the world working with well-known brands like Sony, 3M, Fitness First and Pepsi. He is very passionate about helping business leaders create freedom to spend time on what matters to them most. And really exciting, he's massively into the world of AI, which is what we're going to be talking about today. He's written a book called The Business Leader's Guide to AI and ChatGPT. And he's spoken at many events about AI business and marketing and the ways to leverage it. So through his work, Alexis has saved thousands of hours of time for himself and other business owners and leaders enable them to work more effectively and grow their business. In his own business, he's actually been able to remove himself from the day-to-day -day operations, all something we all aspire to be able to do. And he's been able to, as a result of that, go on road trips. He's just recently done a six-week road trip around Europe. Mm. And his business has still grown and operated without him being there. So I want to hear a bit about how he's done that. So Alexis, welcome. So excited to have you here. Can I just jump okay. in with a question? Yeah. No, I... don't jump in with a question. First of all, I just want to say, like, Alexis is here. He's on our podcast. Honestly, like, I, I managed to, like, catch him at a point. I think it was probably close to midnight. I don't know if he drinks, but hopefully he was under the influence <laughs> or something. He does have to talk about you. Go, I want you on our podcast. But look at him. He's here. He's been on a road trip. This man, you've got something to learn if you're listening and watching this podcast. You have got something to learn. Now, Vish, I'll take it. Now you can go. Um, now you can ask. I'm me. so psyched to have you here, Alexis. Like when 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 Dee was introducing you, um, when we were putting the formats together for the shows, I was like, oh my god, this is my show. So the, the <laughs> question off the off the bat is, um, can yeah, we sure. use AI to replace um, Dee and Sarah? <laughs> Straight <laughs> <laughs> to the point. Uh, I just say he actually wanted to say. Replace D. He, he only brought Sarah yeah. in yeah. because I don't want to be just one hundred percent mean to you, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. No, that's that's cool. That's a really important. But tell us a little bit about that. yourself. Yeah. Alexis, tell us about yeah, you. Please, please. Sorry about that. How you got into well, AI? That's what I want to know. How you got into yeah, that? Yeah, no, I, I I love that. Well, yeah, I mean, I too was looking to replace uh, D and Sarah, and so no, I um, so yeah, so, so my my background. I mean, Sarah, you've done a fantastic job of um uh, with my intro like i guess at my heart i'm a bit of a geek like i always have been i've always been keen on learning and curious and and was um i've always been passionate about entrepreneurship and just building stuff and so in many ways my entire career has been about kind of doing that just like trying stuff and, and building things and and wearing lots or arguably too many hats and just trying a bit of everything um and so i think that's put me in a good position to be able to speak knowledgeably about overwhelm and being able to free up your time and so on and and also delegation because there are areas that i was appalling at <laughs> like it's it's really funny now a lot of people 
um, who uh, come to know me through my presentations or, or whatever, they, they will assume because of the nature of the businesses that I have and the, you know, the work that I do on AI and uh, processes and all this kind of stuff that I'm a very organized, detail-orientated person who's um, very meticulous and methodical and focused and you know, really good at delegation and all these sorts of things. These are all things that I've had to develop and build over many years because they were my weakest areas. Like my natural dispensation is towards just going and trying things and building, like starting to build stuff and work out whether it works later and, um, you know, uh, do stuff myself and get my hands dirty and then try and work out whether I can scale that and pass that to anyone else. And in the past, really struggled. So, I think that's a useful context for people to understand that when I share the stuff that we're going to be talking about, it's not because I've, you know, was born with this incredible insight and understanding automatically. It's there are a set of skills that I've learned and processes that we've essentially created to be able to do it, which I think hopefully is reassuring because it means that anyone can do that too. Like even if you haven't got the people skills or the experience of delegating and managing people, those are things that I've had to learn from um, absolute zero or even a minus position. And so uh, I can I can totally help with that. So I guess that's, I just want to provide that context before we sort of dive in, because I think often that's a misconception <laughs> around me. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that the whole the whole world of AI, like you said, it is. I mean, AI itself is a very meticulous process, isn't it? So, um, how did you first start? You know, what what in what brought the intrigue into AI, and how did you first kind of start looking into it? Yeah, it's really interesting. So. It's, it's funny, actually, when you said AI is like a meticulous process, it, it, it actually made me just think how in many ways the ways that, that machines learn, like machine learning for, for AI purposes, is so similar to what I just described as like my approach mm. to entrepreneurship. Because to, to some extent, it's an incredible pattern of trial and error. It's You throw loads of data at AI and, and inputs and then go, there you go, you make sense of it. And it like it repeats over and over and over, failing the vast majority of the time. And then the few times that it works, it then tries to repeat more of that. And that, <laughs> it's funny, it's like, huh, that's quite a good analogy for my entire career. Um, so uh, I guess, why is, why is AI, like, I've always been a geek, I've always been a techie person. Like, back when I was at uh, school, I was building websites and... Um, you know, uh, getting income from banner advertising, etc. Back when they were like, school was trying to get me to sit down and learn how to use Microsoft Word in an IT <laughs> lesson, which was incredibly boring for me when I was like, can I not just carry on writing HTML like I was a few minutes ago, like as, a, as for fun during my break. And so because I've always been a kind of tech geek, I think that means that when then, when AI has, has always kind of come around as an area that I'm interested in and I say mm. come around because they've been like right now everyone's talking about AI particularly because of yeah. ChatGPT being launched like back in November last year but actually yeah. AI as a as a concept and as a um, set of technologies have been around much much longer and I remember back on my old time PC like most people are like, I don't like, even my son asked me what a PC was the other day. Like it, it makes me feel very old, but I remember being a, a basically child on my time PC going, I don't want to type. I want to do just dictation. And I remember spending hours and hours and hours training my computer. So it would understand my voice so it could write dictation. And it was still terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and, and completely not able to be used but even back then and we're talking now i don't know 25 years ago plus um way yeah, before my time and way before my time yeah i'm, I'm, I'm re re yeah, realizing yeah, it's a little bit more than that um but yeah like 25 years plus ago I was interested in how could we use this technology so that I didn't have to do these things, maybe through laziness. And, you know, yeah. then through university, I was like building computers, like le I learned how to take the components, like build them from scratch. So I've always been a techie person that's loved this. But AI, it particularly recently really captures my imagination because it has the, it has the ability to change society business the way in which we work and live probably more so than the internet 
and right now that's like pretty much incomprehensible like incomprehensible yeah. because we look at now with our understanding of what the internet has done it's like yeah you yeah. can't really imagine like what the world would like would we still be exactly the same if we hadn't got the internet like it's yeah. changed so much and yet ai is going to provide that order of magnitude so i'm always interested in things that are going to give business leaders the opportunity to be able to with what they have uh, and particularly using technology to it. so i guess that's yeah. that's why i've always been interested in this but when when i first started to play with chat gpt and for the first time i started to be like ooh, this actually might work for some use cases and particularly the first versions i played around with were still terrible by comparison to yeah. chat gpt4 but you could see the buds you could see that this was now going to be different and that's what's been really exciting to me. And so over the months and months and months that I've then been playing around with it, applying it directly in my business and applying it with clients and seeing how it can improve your capacity by like 40% is just phenomenal. Did you, did you study anything IT related at uni? I studied management science. So I, oh, wow. um, not particularly IT. Like there was yeah. the odd bit of like visual basic coding, but not really. Yeah. Like I've always... For me, it's always been the in order to like I love the the business side of it and the building of that and and for me, the tech bit, if anything, came easy like because yeah. I was just interested and I would study that, whereas it was the right. business side, it was learning about marketing that I found hard <laughs> yeah, so you so essentially you took your passion, which was the tech side of it, which was obviously you know we said we we geek out, and then you kind of appended onto it, like the management side of it going, oh, I need these skills. And that's how you got into the tech side of business, right? That's really interesting because usually people do it the other way around. They go, oh, I like IT. I like tech. I'd like to go and specialize in this. And then they kind of come out and they don't know what to do with it, right? Indeed. And I always think that's a shame because I think having that curiosity and love of tech gives you such an advantage. Like I remember the very first consulting project I ever did as a management consultant before I started my own consultancy practice I remember going in and being terrified like I knew that they were charging me out at like I don't know it's probably 900 pounds a day and I was thinking how am I going to do that like I'm only fresh out of university like and mm. if I don't add 900 pounds of value today I've got to do 1800 tomorrow like I remember like literally thinking that on the train to Milton Keynes to work with this client and they sat, They basically said, right, you need to sit down, watch this lady like doing her job, which was particularly around some finance processes and so on, document it and turn it into basically a process map. You've learned a bit how to do that. Um, and that, that's what you've got to do. That's what you're doing today. And at some point later in the project, we're going to then improve these processes. And I remember sitting down with her and watching. And after a few, like my, I, the um, part of my job was to ask questions so I make sure I understand it. And I remember going, "Hang on, why are you like ty typing in those formula like like in there?" And she and she's like, "Well, it's because I need to calculate these these figures because we have this data and da And I'm like, "No, no, no. I mean, why aren't you just copying it down?" Yeah. She said, well, because if I copy it down, then like I need the references to change because it's different. I was like, yeah, yeah. but with copy cells, it'll change yeah. the formula based on that. And I literally like showed her and she's like, oh, <gasps> and literally like that was like three and a half hours a day for her that suddenly didn't need to yeah. do. And, and that essentially is just having interest and knowledge of tech. Now, now we look at that as ridiculous, like anyone that works in finance that doesn't know how to do copy sales. But bear in mind, nearly 20 years ago, that was a set of skills that wasn't that common and Excel hadn't been taught at school and all these sorts yeah. of things, whereas now it is. And so I think having that knowledge and now AI is, an, is a great example of that. Like people who are going into jobs, people who are starting businesses and so on. If you have that curiosity, that love of, yeah. of tech and particularly around like AI, it gives you such an advantage beyond the people yeah. that go, oh yeah, no, I don't like that kind of stuff. It's yeah. just incredible. It's crazy, right? Absolutely. And like, it, it's funny you should say that because obviously that's, a, you know, the, the, those skills weren't around like, 20, 25 years, 15 years ago, whatever it was. We're not old, we're just experienced. The, the, the yeah. next wave of the next wave of skill sets, like obviously school, school has advanced a lot. There's loads of advancements in STEM teaching and whatever, whatever. But do you think the next iteration of student would need to learn stuff like prompt engineering, like to understand how to incorporate yeah. AI into what they're doing? Because that's obviously the next 
the next iteration of it, isn't it? You're going to need to learn how to harness the technology we then will have openly at our disposal. Sorry, I'm probably geeking out, man. Well, I was going no, to say, no. like, just for the sake of our viewers as well and our listeners, yeah. I think we should just kind of uh, maybe frame what prompt engineering is. Well, I've already pr- uh, framed it in a previous episode. Well, I have to go back and tell you what episode it is. However, what prompt engineering is, is how to leverage um, the bot or the piece of technology that you're using so you... Um, basically put the, the outputs are more efficient and the way it processes information is more efficient is that correct yeah. please correct me if i'm wrong Alexis. uh absolutely spot on and i think um the, uh, what i'm about to say might be unpopular in certain circles but i see prompt engineering as being a little bit of a red herring because okay. The um, prompt engineering, exactly as you say, the idea is you get more out of AI and, and, and that is a good thing and exactly right. But taking back to, we talked about what I studied at university. When I studied management science, I remember being specifically taught as, you know, as, as a proper part of a module and tested on it, my ability to do Google searches, <laughs> right? Now, now, again, we would laugh at that and go, how ridiculous that you yeah. would university a grad spending tens of thousands of pounds and they're learning to google search and then having a test on it which as you can imagine back then i was a geek on that as well so i got like 98 percent. it was ridiculous but of course why well because back then google searching wasn't an obvious thing it wasn't something that everyone was comfortable yeah. with and back then the technology was in such a state that you needed to think about boolean operators and putting things in quotes yeah. and putting minuses and all these sorts of things to get the result that you wanted otherwise barely anything came up or it was all kind of random but of course the algorithms have improved so much with google that you start yeah. typing three letters and it's already telling you what you're probably going to search for right like I was playing Minecraft with my nine-year-old son and we find some copper and we're like, oh, I, what's this for? And I literally type in um, like uh, what to use cop. And from there, it's like, what to use copper for in Minecraft? Like oh it knows <laughs> like yeah. what people like to search for. Like the idea that, you know, you need to, to be, t- and I think the same goes for prompt engineering. I think right now you've got people going on ChatGPT and other tools and mid-journey and whatever and typing stuff in and going, oh, it's not very good, is it? This, does, this doesn't do it. But of course, um, you do need to give it good briefing. But the, the problem with calling it prompt engineering is it creates this whole science around it that feels quite um, a, like difficult to, uh, opaque, uh, sorry, opaque and difficult to, to, to penetrate. Whereas the way I look at it is briefing, right? It is just briefing. And the same goes for briefing your employees. And the same goes for briefing marketing agencies. Like Mm. you guys are like absolute experts in your field when it comes to marketing. The worst thing that you could possibly get from a client would be a really weak brief, right? If they just said, yeah, I kind of, you know, like working with uh, Danita saying like, oh yeah, I just, I need to be out there more on LinkedIn. You're like, okay, to what end? (laughs) On what personal brand? Like what, like all that information. And the same goes for AI. Like if you say to AI, write me a blog, like it's going to talk about something completely random and it's going to be rubbish. Like, whereas if you were briefing someone, a person to write you a blog and that you wrote all that and then went, actually, I wonder whether AI can do it. You take that same brief that you were going to give a human, put it into ChatGPT and it will do a significantly better job. And so I think the problem is that when we call it prompt engineering, it takes, it makes it feel this thing that's a difficult thing to learn and completely out of our, um, wheelhouses and knowledge area whereas ultimately it's briefing and i think again a bit like google searching it's going to be something that becomes easier or a known skill or just built into the tool so that you don't have to have that so for example for as a air manual you know we provide a um, a software platform for documenting processes and onboarding and so that teams have all the guidance they need one of the things that we're currently doing is embedding ai into our tool so it can help you write your processes now wow. the problem is that what's the going to be the quality of those like if you say write me a process for sending out an email a cold outreach uh, marketing thing it's like, is that going to be a very good process? If you say in Instagram, does that help? Does it give you the right steps? And so 
that comes down to what we're building into the tool, into the prompt to make sure that you get a good result or as, or as best you can. And so I think that's what you're going to see as the years go on is, is going to be much more that the tools that we, we know and love are building that prompt engineering into the tool yeah. itself so that you can get some great results. And for everyone else, for the using tools like ChatGPT, you just learn, you know what, it's about garbage in, garbage out. Like the more that you can brief yeah. it, the more information you give, the more context, the same as if you were a briefing a junior employee, then the better results that you get. And I think that's what we forget, don't we? That a lot of these things are things that we are normally doing, but it's just a massive evolvement of it. And I think, like you said, you know, I remember when, you know, we used to talk about, you know, CRMs or even, I mean, I worked in recruitment for 17 years and, you know, the database, what you put in, then if you were to search it, you'd get the best results out, but it, it needed that input. It needed good input to obviously get great output as well. And and, and that's kind of the nature of everything that we do. So when it, when it comes to like, especially with AI in, in marketing, like, you know, we, we talk a lot about how, and there's, there's a lot of this out there at the moment about how, oh my God, is it going to replace people? Is it going to, you know, replace jobs? Is it going to replace content creators? Uh, and I think, you know, this is where I think that that whole element of, you know, when something new comes along, the, the, the it's best to reject it first before you realize how powerful it can be if you embrace it. So yeah. what are, you know, what do you see, you know, how can AI be a massive, massive um, support to the marketing world? Yeah. So what I'd say is that the, the temptation is to approach it from the position that when we talk about, we talk about geeking out on it, right? And so um, for entertainment purposes, there is value in us just being like, oh, I've, you know, I've watched, literally, personally, I've watched hundreds of hours now on, it may even go gone to four digits, like of, of video and contents and examples and so on and uses of, of tools in AI. That's actually not the best way of approaching it if you're a business leader looking to get value it's a way in which a geek like me can be thoroughly entertained but <laughs> it's not the best approach and that's because i'm learning a load of stuff and then trying to work out how to apply it to the business which is actually a very slow process the better approach is to flip that on its head and to say actually what are the biggest problems that we have right now in our business in our process in our relationship with our customers in our product and delivery with our customers where are the biggest friction points or bottlenecks mm. and then say okay now knowing that there's a whole load of stuff uh, uh, that's come uh, come or coming from ai how can i now solve that problem so mm. a nice example of this we're working with um, a podcaster uh, Anna Moran, she had got this like awesome podcast, thousands of uh, downloads per episode. Um, but her problem that was stopping her from scaling it and taking on more sponsors and advertisers because she had income coming through it was podcast editing. She was still doing a lot of that herself, which you know, as a lot of us uh, entrepreneurs can identify with, like uh, particularly yeah. with a lot of these things you start off doing yourself. And uh, but for her she was held back from being able to delegate it and let go of it because of the sheer amount of cost due to the time it would take and the expertise it would need. So she was working out it would take, it would cost her thousands of pounds per episode to have them edited based on the amount of effort and expertise. Now, what we did with her is we said, right, that's your bottleneck. That's your top, we've identified and you know, looked at a variety of things. That's the top one that's currently holding you back. As a result, what can we do? So we documented the whole process of editing as she was doing it currently as a simple checklist. First thing that already did was meant that she didn't need an expensive podcast editor to do it because now it was a series of steps that a VA could follow. So suddenly you've already reduced the cost by 10x uh, just, by, just by doing that. But then we said, okay, where in this process takes the time? And so we identified a few steps, including editing the audio to remove ums and ers and fillers, because Anna's a, a radio DJ, so her background, she's like really high on the quality and she gets great results, so she knows what she's talking about, um, but it takes a long time. And so I, we did a, I just showed her with a Google search using my, you know, degree level <laughs> knowledge, <laughs> quick Google search, how can I remove ums and ers? I didn't even need, I knew I suspected what was going to come up, but I didn't even need to say with AI, but I, I wrote that. 
And it showed a video of how you can use Descript, which is an AI-powered video and um, audio editing tool, where you can put the whole thing. It uses AI to transcribe it. You can then edit the whole document as if it's a Word document. Plus, you can click Remove Filler Words, and it gives you a selection of types, and it will remove them all for you automatically, and boom, 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 boom. And like that in itself reduced the whole time that she would have spent editing by more mm. than half. And so suddenly mm. you've got something that would have cost a thousands and now it becomes costing like maybe a hundred pounds or 150 pounds to get an episode yeah. edited. And it completely removed it as a bottleneck in her business. And, yeah. and it's when you approach it that way round, that's when you get real leverage from AI. That's where you don't end up in a situation like, um, I was interviewed by Nick James on his podcast. And we were talking about how, you know, he, and it's easy for all of us to lose an afternoon <laughs> researching AI, come out the other end and then go, I'm not sure that's changed anything about what I'm doing in my business, right? And so it yeah. feels like not a good investment of time when you come in it that way around. So that that's how I'd say that it can be applied. And what I'd love to dive mm -hmm. into is from your perspectives, like where are the most common bottlenecks? Where are the friction points that people have when it comes to their marketing? Because that is where we can essentially explore where AI is going to have the, the biggest leverage. Yeah. For me, yeah. I think it's like a lot around writing the content. So that's where I see AI playing a big part. So whether it's you're writing the content for your social media posts or whether it's you're writing your content for a landing page or an email, whatever it is you may be writing content for, I can see AI having a massive impact there because it just will save so much time. I still believe it needs a human element because I still think at the moment you need to go in and tweak it and make it sound like your voice, etc. But it gives you the structure and the foundation to work from. And it's so much easier to work from something that's already been created than try and create something from scratch. And I was, Alexis, I was thinking about you because you, you were saying like one of your things is about saving people time. That's one of your specialisms. So I can see AI being a massive um, support for us in marketing in terms of leveraging our time and saving us hours and hours of, of writing. I completely agree with that, Sarah. And in fact, I was talking to um, the owner of a, a marketing agency who's a, a client of ours, and he was saying how they've made, they basically are putting out um, uh, they're, they're able to produce the content they were doing before, but in like 40% less time. So as a result, mm. what was taking their bloggers five days now takes them three. Um, but what was really interesting yeah. is how um, there are two things, two really big things that come out. One was, he said, however, we're being really careful about how much AI we use on public pages, on landing pages, on blogs, etc., because we know that there's a storm coming when it comes to Google around detecting AI-generated content and punishing it accordingly. So that's an interesting thing to be aware of, yeah. but it ties into the second yeah. point, which is exactly as you said, Sarah, like, A, like using AI as a starting point is helpful because it it beats the blank canvas syndrome of just staring at you know the blank page and just being having the writer's block right so it helps in that way and particularly using it as a prompt to say give me 10 ideas for blog titles around this topic and using that as a starting point i think is really powerful but the key a little bit like we're talking about prompt engineering like when you, if you were briefing a copywriter to do blogs for you you wouldn't just go yeah can you just write me some blogs around say saving time that wouldn't result in great quality content mm. that's in your style that's achieving the results that you want instead you'd want to say here's my target audience like really specifically right down to the demographic here are the key pain points that i look like to solve here's the uh, ways in which uh, and the my key frameworks and solutions for how we tend to solve it and the key messages that we tend to want to to share here's the the tone of the voice that we use in our messaging and by the way if you're not sure of the tone of voice that you use in your messaging take some of your best messaging put it into chat gpt and say what's the describe the tone of voice in a, in a few bullet points and it'll tell you and you'll be like and then you can select and go oh, i didn't mean to be like overly formal <laughs> so perhaps i don't want that in there or you know oh good it says witty that's nice <laughs> vulgar don't i wasn't trying to be vulgar you know so you can you can use that to both evaluate and shape your tone of voice so that all of that goes into the briefing you know the 
prompt engineering like all of that goes into the guidance that you then give your chat gpt or whatever ai you're using to say this is what i'm trying to create and the same goes for imagery like looking at what type of imagery is it are we using certain colors certain hues sort of you know styles are we are we more like clip art or photography like what how do we look and and feel and then making sure that's built into the briefing and when you do that you get a much much better starting point and the only way that mm. i found to do that effectively and particularly then to delegate it to team members is to create that as a process as a checklist of you know build this bit you know uh, come up with the title come up with these key points now add this to our tone of voice statement add this to this prompt put that into chat gpt now get this now review it to look for what bits you like what you don't provide it feedback here's some ideas and how you can provide, like and when you do that that means that i've been able to delegate stuff that previously i'd have said oh yes, no, this must be me. Only only I can possibly come up with, you know, the right thing. And of course, that's not true. As soon as you start leveraging AI in this way, you can delegate to junior employees who ultimately give you a draft that you then review, right? Like it, like for all of you, like you in your lines of work, you never just go, oh, and it's done. <laughs> that, that'll be perfect at the end. I don't need it. It doesn't need a review. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so with, and, and it's really, interesting that you're saying you know chucking stuff into the ai whatever version of whatever platform you're using um so over over a period of time is there a is there an element of training um the bot as it were does it does it build up a bank of information and it goes ah okay vish's tone of voice is this vish usually puts out these kind of posts and etc etc therefore he's now asking for this um in this style etc 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 therefore this is what he's looking for is is that how it the technology works or will work and how close to that automation are we i think going forward you're going to see loads more of that and you're going to see it in a few different places so one is that i think we're all going to learn how to do a better job of just making sure yeah. that we're prompting that we're briefing these tools to yeah. give us the the output that we want secondly um existing tools so for example um you know, if you're using a, a CRM tool like HubSpot, for example, that now has a tool that will help you write an email for you and you can give it right. and it's got some drop downs and things like, oh, I want an, a cold outreach email. I'm writing it to this person. These are the benefits that I want to highlight and what I want, you know, the connection or the referral or whatever I want to mention. And then it will give you like five options for style like and that you can create a combination, you know, formal, uh, professional, friendly, uh, witty and, and so on. You can literally tick those and create it. Now, what it creates currently, in my view, and, and in that particular scenario, it's okay. It's probably better than what most uh, uh, people are sending out, but is not anywhere is not best practice. But I think that's a good example of where that's kind of the that briefing is built into the tool in a very simplistic way of like selecting these checkboxes. I think over time, we're going to see that change, we're going to see much more tools where it uses like Google, for example, would find it very easy to use all of your previous sent emails to identify like this is how you like to write emails. And to some extent, we already see that, right? Like as you start to write um, an email, it will try and help you complete some of the lines. And it's using some training based on your previous emails. It's not just their, their, their cookie cutter standard. So I think we're going to see loads more of that. The other thing that's really interesting, but uh, at the moment requires a big jump up in technological knowledge and curiosity is where you can essentially build your own AI apps, where you can say, okay, I'm going to create my own AI app built on top of ChatGPT or uh, another engine. And I'm going to give it additional training data, like all of the blogs I've ever written. And I'm going to, uh, along with data on uh, how engaged uh, the people were with them, so to give it weighting. And I'm going to say, right, now help me write more like that. Or And, and so you can imagine that's a whole other level where um, you've trained it on a lot more content. Like we're not talking about just a, an individual ChatGPT prompt message where we're saying, hey, here's my last post, make it a bit similar to this. We're saying this is properly learned based on your emails and all these sorts of things and data of how well it's received to help you then do that. And that's kind of next level and we're going to start seeing that in the future. But we're, yeah. it's at the moment, that's too big of a leap uh, in terms of what yeah. people have to be able to do. So, so the good thing is, is that 
and people should rest assured that their jobs are not in any danger. They're not going to be replaced by a robot anytime soon, but certainly the skill sets that they're going to require to do their jobs more efficiently will require them to change and just update themselves, right? 100%. Like the thing that I often hear is um, people are not going to be replaced by robots or replaced by AI. They're going to be replaced by people yeah. using AI. And that's I think right, yeah. that mm. that's the thing is it's, it must have been incredibly distressing for the people of the Stone Age when you had all these, you know, bronze spear wheel, <laughs> wielding, <laughs> wielding cavemen. And they're like, huh, that, uh, that looks quite a bit. You can throw that quite a bit further than <laughs> like, and of course it's like well bronze is a terrible technology you know we we like i'm very happy with our stone like the issue you're not going to be uh made extinct by bronze you're going to be made extinct by someone else carrying the bronze sphere and so yeah. that that's the challenge for us right is that um whilst we don't need to be scared of ai directly immediately and i'm very careful in my choice of words there yes because the in terms of risk to our jobs it's it's yeah. skills. It's it's in the same way as there have been so many jobs that are basically being replaced by developers, right? Software developers, because there are so many things now that you don't need people to do as much, or it's not valued as highly because there's software on top that kind of uh, sits on top of these, like for example, yeah. travel agents, right? So that's yeah. already been happening, and AI is going to accelerate that in a few places. And so the key is to get to grips with it and start using it and and not just you but you know your teams like within your organization making sure that they're getting to grips with it and using it as part of the processes yeah. and i think that's um, that's been happening for for decades though hasn't it like you have to upskill yeah. millennia it, it, that's just part and parcel of your own development and yeah. uh, and and so therefore just like you said you know if you hadn't upskilled you would your job would have been replaced anyway yeah. even without ai uh, exactly right and and that, and that's the thing you got you got to always be developing your skills what are your thoughts on like the whole thing where you create your ai avatar so we basically will end up with an avatar that looks like us and has exactly our voice but it's not actually us speaking it's been programmed to speak for us so potentially what i can see is things like webinars and things could be done by an avatar of sarah without sarah actually needing to be there like what are your thoughts on on that coming and taking yeah. over? So in general, I think it's a terrible idea and um, <laughs> is is probably one of those areas where I would uh, suggest is probably likely to be one of those red herrings because mm. like particularly like if we're talking about why are people doing videos, why are they doing webinars, etc. In general, it's because people value your expertise and you're building your profile as an expert and and going out there like Gary Vaynerchuk people want to hear from Gary Vaynerchuk and listen to his videos and if he's a, speaking at an event or whatever it's like great like people will want to attend in droves if you then said mm. oh well here's even better is now you can get Gary Vaynerchuk, but it's just like him, but it's not him. And it's and and as humans, we're brilliant at detecting things that are even slightly off. So although the technology yeah. is leaps and bounds and whatever, even you know even um, current film industry who's had this and beyond technology, so that we that we have literally got films with dead actors in them where they've been recreated, and yet. Yeah. We can detect it's not perfect. And that's when someone has, has been crafting it and you've got, you know, hundreds of people dedicated to creating this kind of stuff. When you then say, or just, you know, some marketing expert is now going to have their own avatar and whatever, like it's, it's going to be uh, obvious even through the tiniest perception, uh, perceivable details that it's not them. And then, of course, I think it loses the value. Like the same goes for like, think yeah. about your favorite music artist. If I said I, for the same ticket price, you can either go watch and then let's say it's Coldplay or you can go and watch Goldplay, which is their really excellent tribute act. In fact, some people have said that it's more uh, you know, energetic and so on because they've got more to prove, but it's the same ticket price. What would you like? And you'd always go Coldplay. Like it does matter to people. And, yes. and so that authenticity yeah. and everything, like you want that. And so I think it would be such a mistake for someone who's trying to build their credibility and, and share their message and, and so on to go, 
yeah, you know, rather than me do it, I'll just create an avatar of me with my voice and it can do it instead. I, I remember buying on Audible um, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk's book, is it Jab, Jab, or no, whatever yeah. it was, Jab, 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 Jab. Yeah, and he didn't read it. And I was, I, I just didn't want to listen to it because it wasn't him reading it. <laughs> And because I've because I've because I've connected with it uh, as in you know you listen to him on TikTok and social media and all those like I know the sound of his voice so when I yeah. and whereas when I listen to Stephen Bartlett and I um and I listen to Happy Sexy Millionaire it was mm. him speaking mm. and I I literally was like it was like he was talking to me so uh, I totally agree with that that you know having somebody on a webinar that isn't actually the person it's just mm -hmm. it, that connection goes. Yeah, and I think ultimately it comes back to that point of start the other way around. Like rather than us go, well, theoretically we can create an avatar of ourselves and we can recreate our voice and so on, which is pretty good. Instead, start the other way around from actually what are the problems that we're really trying to solve here? Like what what is the issue that we've got? Like because for example, if the issue of the webinar is like, oh, it just takes me a lot of time, it's like great, do a recording. Like yeah. fine, like problem solved. Um, Whereas if it's, no, 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 I, it takes a lot of my time, but I want to create the connection with the audience and so on. It's like, then I'm not sure the AI is going to quite do that, do that for us. So it's, mm -hmm. it's getting really specific about what's the problem we're looking to solve. And we've talked about one around content creation. And I think, you know, mm -hmm. uh, as Sarah says, like starting, starting with a better starting point is probably the best way to use AI rather than using it to mm -hmm. churn out loads of stuff. Instead, it's, give you a better starting point for you to uh, then get stuff done and more speedily um, detail out uh, a concept from some bullet points or whatever. But from your experience, like you, you guys are the experts, where are the other bottlenecks? Where are the other friction points that you think that people, business leaders, et cetera, struggle with when it comes to marketing? The, the, the bottlenecks are in the manual, the manually orientated tasks. Like you said, you know, you touched on earlier on video editing, big, big bottleneck. Uh, content creation in terms of you know static uh, images based on quotes or based on copy that's been written but then also the copy generation as well like you know people don't have time to train a copywriter or you know um, get somebody up to speed um, so they can talk in brand voice tonality etc etc you know with the right verbiage etc mm. that that becomes a little you know it, it takes a, a while to get kind of roots competency and I think initially that's what's going to be um, from a business owner's perspective, from a marketing perspective, that, that's going to be the main bottlenecks. You know, it, and all of those things lead to consistency because when yeah. you don't, when those are the bottlenecks, yeah. you lose consistency in the visibility. Mm. And I think, like now, more than any time, you know how visible you are as a business owner, entrepreneur, is so so important because of all of these things. You know, because of connection. In fact, because of the pandemic. You know that those two years where we didn't see people accelerated how much we wanted to now connect with human beings and 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 all of those kind of things. So it's almost like those bottlenecks that Sarah and Vish have mentioned then lead to bigger, massive problems that stops the business, like you said, Alexis, being efficient, yeah. you know, getting things done and, and stops the business owner from then doing the things that they need want to do uh, or, or, mm. or or stepping away from their business because they are they're just constantly falling over themselves. Mm. I don't, and I, I, yeah. I don't think that I don't think AI will as yet take over the actual physical marketing part, which is setting up adverts, you know, um, audience generation, and you know, doing the actual physical part of that. I think that we're a long way off from that. I think I'd hope, um, but you know, certainly everything that precedes that, there's definitely big bottlenecks for people um, around that. And like you said, the the consistency is what's stopping people. That's that's the biggest you know killer to growth and scale for for a lot of entrepreneurs out there. A lot of people struggle with visibility, so actually being visible. So I'm just thinking as we're talking, where whether AI could potentially help with that, because people just some people don't like being on video, some people don't like showing up live. So potentially that could be a place. I don't know. I'm just talking off off top of my head now, where AI could help them. So at least they're getting out of there. So if they wouldn't do it naturally, they potentially could mm. use AI to help them. Um, yeah. But I think yeah, and also it might help with the consistency because it just speeds things up. So yeah, over to that. Alexis. 
Yeah, so I, I think so uh, on all of those things, I think definitely AI can can support in a variety of ones. So uh, Vish was mentioning like the time taken on like video editing and all these sorts of things. We've talked about a few ways, uh, and I mentioned like tools like Descript that can definitely speed that up and make it possible yeah. for junior members of staff to do things that previously had to be an expensive video editor and would take a long time. Instead, you can quite quickly um, take. Uh, for example, when I do on my podcast on de-stress your business, like I'll record in Riverside, like we are now, and then um, and often we don't have to do much editing. But if it does, if it needs some changes, like it goes straight into Descript, and I can edit it like a Word document, and I don't have to fire up Final Cut Pro and spend a load of time like messing around with that. I can get mm -hmm. that done. And so I'd say that's that's an area definitely. I think um, to the point Vish um, made, and uh, I think D touched on as well, which is around audience definition and um you know the putting the up the ads uh, and so on i think to some extent we're already seeing that like on um, google ads facebook ads they already have ai powered functionality that helps create variations of adverts that helps essentially um, market more to the people that seem to be engaging with your your content and i expect that that's probably going to um, improve uh, over time. So I think some of that will happen. Um, and then I think, you know, to, to Sarah's point around being visible and getting content out there when you struggle with it, definitely it can help. So there's a, there's a tool which is still early days, but it's a tool called opus.pro. And that's a tool which allows you to basically give it a YouTube link of like your, let's say, 30 minute presentation or this podcast, for example. And then it will create, so it will use AI to transcribe it. You can give it the key messages that you want to pull out, and then it will pull the segments that were relevant, and it will create a series of, let's say, 30-second videos you can choose and whatever, and it will crop to and zoom in to that particular person that was speaking. It will um, uh, put captions on for that piece of content. It'll highlight it. It'll put emojis on the captions and so on. Do all the editing. So you've got this 30 second clip, which normally like creating 10 of those would have cost quite a bit of money or you have to spend a load of time doing it. Instead, you can just create that. Now, the quality of that, particularly at the moment, is not going to be as clean and crisp and good as if you go through the other route. But if the alternative is that you don't do it at all because you haven't got the capacity and the resource, boom, it is an amazing way in which you can suddenly go, yeah, I'm doing one podcast a week or a month or whatever, and that means that I can be all over my social media for the rest of, you know, for the rest of the month um, uh, yeah. through the everyday. So, Alexis, what what advice, because we, we want to sort of wrap this up now, uh, as much as we don't want to, to be fair, because we could, again, have this conversation for hours on end. Um, so I, dec I definitely reckon we'll have you back. <laughs> but um, what advice, what advice would you give business owners right now? in preparing, or marketers in preparing, you know, what should they be doing to embrace AI? Yeah, so I'd say it's a few things. That The first is, uh, I, th I think you summarize it well with the word embrace. I think the, the key is, I, I <laughs> through, through my work, I get to speak to a lot of business leaders and there's a varying degree of um, appetite for this kind of stuff. There are some people that just go, yeah, I've tried a few things or, or I don't like I don't like where some of this is going. Therefore, I'm out. Like I'm checking out like mm -hmm. I'll stick with stone bronze. I just don't see the point right <laughs> now. You know, it's basically the same. Like it's and it, yeah, it takes a load more faff. Like that would be the mistake is the first step is to embrace. Second is probably um, to prioritize where are the bottlenecks in your business? Where are the gaps? Where are the, the friction points? And use that to then do the third step, which is play. Like then go and play and expect that whatever you do with AI first time round will be a bit rubbish. Like in the same way as often if you say, you know what, you need to be, as Sarah said, more visible on social media and so on. And you might say, you know what, record a live video on Facebook every day for a month. And you might say, oh, but I can't possibly imagine doing it, you know, forever after that. Like if you can do every day for a month, firstly, you'll overcome all of the fears associated with it. The quality yeah. of what you do goes up massively and your ability to continue it, increase it and all these sorts of things. 
And the same goes for AI. Like what you first create, you'll create and it'll be like, I can't put that out there. But as you play with it, the more that you start to go, oh, but actually that bit was good or that gave me a really good idea or that gave me a starting point, you start to get to a point where you can embed it. And then finally, the key, and this goes with basically anything in business and particularly marketing, is once you've experimented to a point you've got something that can work, get it embedded into your processes so that it's continuously used without you. Because one of the risks of using cool technology is that you become even more of a bottleneck in your business. Like yeah. think about the, particularly the early days of CRM solutions and marketing automations and, you know, mm. uh, integrations and using Zapier and so on. What was the impact? It meant that you've got business leaders, leaders who become experts on it and then they're the bottleneck because they're the only person who understand how everything works. Whereas yeah. what you need is it's baked into your processes mm. so that anyone in your business can use it to achieve the same results that you've had. Yeah. A hundred percent. Oh my gosh, there is just so much to unravel, isn't there? Um, for our viewers and our listeners, um, I'd love you to tell people what you specifically do because with airmanual.co as well, um, you have got this amazing, amazing, like you said, software platform to help business owners um, save hours and hours in the business. So, uh, first of all, do you want to tell everybody a little bit about what you do and how they can get in touch with you? Yeah, sure. So we built Air Manual based on an experience that we'd have uh, we had with our own other businesses, where it's we found it hard to give our teams the guidance that they need, the the, the onboarding and the training, so that they can deliver value, the the processes that they can follow, so they can get stuff done consistently well. Um, because frankly, I'm a control freak, and it would really frustrate me when people didn't do things quite <laughs> as I wanted. And so, having um, we essentially create M, uh, created Air Manual so that we can make all that easy, that you could create interactive checklists that junior employees can follow in your business to achieve the the, the same results. Um, so that's that's what Air Manual has all been about. And as a result, we typically save business leaders hundreds of hours. Like we often talk about freeing up 15 hours a week after working with us like three to five hours in the, uh, in the outset. We help people reduce key person dependency, get new team members up to speed 80% faster, uh, and, uh, and also um, make it so that you reduce mistakes and improve performance because you're repeating what works uh, and, uh, and avoiding making silly mistakes, which in marketing can be really painful when you send out an email blast to everyone on your list by accident rather than their segment and everything says hi first name rather than their actual name and all this. All those experiences that we've all had uh, in terrible marketing things, which you can design out by giving better guidance. So that's why we created Air Manual. Uh, if people are interested and find out more, they can go to airmanual.link uh, airmanual forward slash discover has got a brilliant guide that uh, covers all of the sort of um, uh, our approach to doing this. What does Airmanual look like to achieve these sorts of things? And people can also arrange a call with our team if they'd like a demo. Um, the other thing that I should highlight is uh, the guide that I wrote uh, is available on AI and ChatGPT. It's available for free if people go to airmanual.link forward slash AI, forward slash ebook. They can get it as an online version. Um, and that's really cool because uh, it's got like guidance on and gets you to really think about the risks and, and opportunities for your business. But also in there is a training checklist that you can use with your team to get them thinking about how AI could actually support your business. So not just go off and lose an afternoon to playing around with it, but try a few tools. And it's got some prompts and some exercises to actually get them to reflect on how it can be used in your business, which, of course, then you can review with them to, to work out what's going to be the biggest impact. Yeah, amazing. And I've actually got that guide. I got that the last time you spoke on stage. I believe you gave it out then. So I do have a copy of that guide. Um, so listen, we will put those links into the show notes of this episode. So go and check that out. Uh, make sure you give us a subscribe and a follow. Uh, go down to our YouTube channel. Make sure you give us a subscribe there. Um, but uh, for now, please join me and thank the amazing Alexis Kingsbury. Thank you very much. Yay. Oh, thank you very much. It's been awesome. Really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. Awesome. Thank so you. that's it from uh, myself, from Sarah and from Vish. Um, but please join us again for another episode of the Ultimate Marketing Podcast. We'll speak to you soon. Yeah.